Hi, this is Larry Graham, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain, why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? Yeah. It's just like a story chance of ideas. Toe Jam. Either version. I love both versions. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. Joining me as always on this virtual roundtable, our player, Boom Shakalakala Boom, Captain, I gotcha, <laughs> and Toe Jam. Uh, I think Toe Jam. Jam's, I think Toe Jam's. Um, he's got like a gig on today. I think he said he was going to come. Just we just got to wait for him. Oh, that's right. He's doing a show in Brisbane. Yeah. When he comes in, we will just put him in. Oh, all right, all right. Well, I'm looking at the clock now. He should be here any minute anyway. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. Let's get into it. For all of our listeners, Toe Jam will be back. All right. Thanks for joining us all again. And uh, today we've got a special episode for you. It's not an album review. Uh, it is an interview with uh, a very, very, very special guest. He is an American baritone singer, a musician, a songwriter, and record producer. He's best known as the bass guitar player in the popular and influential soul funk band Sly and the Family Stone, and as the founder and frontman of Graham Central Station. He is credited with the invention of the slapping technique. Thumping ra- and plucking. Well, <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> uh, the technique which radically expanded the tonal palette of the bass, although he himself refers to the technique, just as Captain just pointed out, as thumping and plucking, and that was a, a very brief excerpt from uh, Bass Player Magazine, uh, 2007 issue. It is, of course, Mr. Larry Graham. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and I, for one, have to just say this. There's bass before Larry Graham and bass after Larry Graham. He's not only one of the world's best, but also one of the world's most important and influential bass players and in fact musicians of all time ain't no bad about it we are fired up in this special tour edition of the peach and black podcast featuring larry graham so folks get ready strap yourselves in hold on to your eggs and release yourself as we interview larry about grand central station prince his latest record raise up And, of course, his upcoming tour of Australia when Larry and the band are going to be throwing down the funk on the following dates, April 18 and April 19 at Byron Bay Blues Fest, April 20th and 21st at the infamous The Basement in Sydney, and April 23rd rounding out their Australian tour at the Corner Hotel in Melbourne. It's going to be something special. Something big is coming, folks. It's going to be one in a million. (laughs) It's going to be, well, this is an unmissable one in a million show, I'll tell you that much. 
And uh, for everyone who is uh, listening from Sydney and Melbourne, and in particular, anyone who has tickets to Larry's Sydney and Melbourne shows, keep listening and make sure you stay tuned for details on a big surprise towards the end of the show. Uh, and with that, of course, let's start it off with the main man, Mr. Larry Graham is in the building. Hello. Larry. How are you? Very yep, well. Hey. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? Doing fantastic. <laughs> Who do I have? <laughs> well, you've got me, MC, the host. You've got uh, Player. Hey. Thanks for your time, Larry. Oh, you're more than welcome. And Captain. Hello, Larry. What's up, Captain? I'm here. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. <laughs> oh, that's... It's a pleasure to meet all of you. you uh, a, we'll see you. We'll see you when you get here, though, in person. Oh yeah, we're looking forward to it. So you're coming to Australia in April. It's coming up quick, so we are very excited. Have you been rehearsing? Oh, we we always plan. Okay, <laughs> I guess that's what you do. <laughs> that's what we do. Okay, that's what we do. But is the band in in Minneapolis, or are they um on the West Coast? No, my no, my whole band is in Oakland, which is my original hometown. So okay. my my whole band currently lives in Oakland. I mean, re- rehearsals are one thing, but what about the set lists? Have you been thinking about the set lists for these upcoming shows? And you know how how much does how much does playing in in a in a faraway place like Australia, <laughs> you know, what kind of influence does that have on the set list? Well, I played there before. I came there with Prince one time. Yeah, I remember that. I was there that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I kind of got a, a little taste of, of uh, what to expect. And long before that, I, I came to Australia and spent about a week there. My wife and I and daughter, it wasn't for playing, though. We just came and hung out uh, for about a week, and that, that was fun. So this will be my third trip to Australia, so... Okay. It's not an entirely new adventure, so I kind of, kind of got a feel for, for the people, and uh, so all that helps. Yeah. And then I get, um, you know, speaking to you and other folks, I get input from, you know, from you too, and that all helps, you know, shape, shape my show and, you know, the direction I choose to go in. Mm-hmm. And how much do you improvise on the night? That has a lot to do with it too, <laughs> because uh, so many times um, I'll write out a set list, um, and, and it'll it'll just change. You know, we'll get on stage, and sometimes maybe fifty percent of it will be, or even sometimes more, would just be different. And it, it depends. You know, sometimes you, because I'm I like to play off the off the audience a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I'm really a people person, so I I like to get a feel for the for the audience, and you know, so sometimes I'll stick pretty much to the set list, but sometimes I'll just go <laughs> way yeah, way yeah. off the set list. Yeah, yeah. I like to leave room for that, you know. Just kind of see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 very refreshing to to hear that and to witness that that, that kind of show in 2014. You know, there's so much of the music that. A lot of the current artists that, that put on shows these days, it's all kind of pre-programmed and sequenced. And I think it, it maybe lacks a little bit of that fresh energy that, that you guys bring. And I, I remember a show uh, about three years ago at North Sea Jazz in um, Rotterdam that, that you and, yeah. and Graham Central Station didn't. 
man, <laughs> that was that was some experience. I mean, I was just uh, I think my my jaw was was to the floor for the majority of that show. It was just. I mean, you were doing things with the bass and to the bass that that I didn't know was <laughs> was possible. It was just it was an unbelievable experience, you know. And and oh, uh, thank you. We're really looking forward to seeing you guys uh, seeing you guys in Australia. I remember that show. That was a fun show. It was a lot of that was spontaneous too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was crazy. Uh, you guys, you, you started by walking through the crowd and you know all the with the whole band and on percussion, I think, and it was um yeah, it was pretty uh -huh. wild. You know what I, I really, really like is um, uh, a lot of our shows now, I would say the majority of our shows, a lot of parents bring their kids to our shows uh, for the very reason you mentioned. A lot of shows you go to, it's kind of pre-recorded or lip syncing or and, and it's not really live music, you know, with musicians up there playing live. And, you know, a lot of kids don't get a chance to experience that. And so a lot of uh, our shows, we see parents, and their kids at the shows together, like the parents are saying, I mean, this is what I was raised up on. This is, you know, this is musicians. And, you know, we try to always encourage young folks to, it's okay to sample and sequence and stuff like that, but know how to, know how to play your instrument too. You got options, you know. And yeah. then that way you'll be able to be the creator of new music as opposed to just relying on, you know, what, what's been done. Yeah, and, I mean, and there's also something about listening to you guys live that really, it, it really can't be beat. And um, I mean, the the, the new album or, or the, your latest album, Raise Up, sounds incredibly energetic and live anyway. And uh, we, we were hoping to ask you a little bit about that later on, but but sure. n nothing beats the the live live show experience. I think so. Um, yes, play them. Yeah, Larry, you're the band leader and lead vocalist in GCS. It's kind of rare for a band, uh, like a bass player, to be the front man. So what kind of preparation do you need to do that for that role for it to work so well? Well, the preparation was done long ago. <laughs> <laughs> when I ended up on bass, um, really, that wasn't my intended instrument. Uh, I grew up playing uh, guitar and drums and keyboards and I took saxophone in school and just various instruments. And, uh, my, I really thought I was going to end up being a guitar player. That's, that's, that's what I was doing when I was starting at 11 years old and wow. cut my first record when I was 13. <clears throat> but I was on guitar. And then when my mother and I started working together, it was during that time that I switched over to, to bass and came up with my style of playing the bass. So that's why I say it was kind of set long, long ago because, because I invented the way I play the bass. I never have to practice it. Mm -hmm. It just, mm. it's just the way I play. <laughs> it, it looks like it comes really naturally too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the other thing is, you know, when my mother and I work together, you know, playing in you know, clubs and lounges every night, you know, five, six nights a week and playing the bass became like second nature to me where I don't have to think about it. You know, so when I play, I can concentrate on entertaining the crowd or concentrate on my singing and not just, you know, my playing because that kind of like goes on automatic pilot, which is why I prefer to play. Even though I have a five string, I prefer to play my four string because I don't have to think about it. It's just my third arm <laughs> mm. attached to my body and I just, you know, just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. You see a lot of musicians, though, they, they play their instrument, but you can have a really great guitarist, but then you try to get him to sing at the same time. 
not going to happen. You just can't do it. It could be a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it can be a challenge. I've told some of the bass players before, you know, just because they asked me, how do you do that? How do you play and sing and dance and, you know, and I, I just explained, well, you already know how to play the bass, you know, so you can pretty much like not think about that too much because if you overthink it, you know, next thing you know, you, 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 you're confusing yourself, you know, yeah. and sometimes you get psyched out right up front. You're saying that I, I can't do that, you know, or, or it's too hard. Well, if you think that, then you kind of like then lost the battle to start with, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it's, it's, you just can't think about it. You know, it becomes like second nature. Like when you get on a bicycle, you just ride, you know, you think more about where you're going, not the fact that, oh, I'm balancing myself and I'm going <laughs> forward. <laughs> Yeah. You said before about, you know, the spontaneity of a live show and you take the interaction from the audience. Both myself and MC, I'll, I'll let MC ask the question though about, <laughs> this, about this track. I, I knew this was, I knew this was coming, Captain. Um, we, we, uh, have kind of a special request, not only on the show, but I think safe to say from, uh, some of the funkiest, uh, people in, in Australia that we know. There is one song of yours that we would all absolutely Lose our minds over if you played it live. Let me guess. No, no pressure. Let me guess. Let me guess. Is it from the Raise Up album? Uh, no. No. No, it's an older one. Okay. Oh. Is it? It's, a, it's only three get... letters. <laughs> well, you've pretty much ruined it now. Three letters. Oh, I, I, I was giving it four letters. Now three. Pow. Yep. Oh, yeah. that's the one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's gotta be one of the funkiest if not the funkiest song i've ever heard in my life <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable you, that was going to be my second guess my first guess was the four-letter word hair oh, oh yeah. that's got to be in there too though right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was going to be my first guess and then my second guess was going to be pow oh, yeah because yeah, just... a lot of the players like those <laughs> Uh, so if you can play that, you'll make you'll make a lot of people happy. But I know I don't think you play it very often at all. It's not a, well, a constant you know, in you, the set list. Yeah, I play it sometimes. Uh, usually, you know, when it's asked for, <laughs> oh, <laughs> because uh, yeah. you know, you know, when we have a limited amount of time on a show, I got to play sometimes the most you know popular songs, the one that people have heard the most from either my current uh album or from Slander Family Stone days or from Ground Central Station days or from my solo days, you know. And but there are times <laughs> where we are not under the clock hmm. and we've been known to play three hours plus and we get everything in there then. Well, oh, I'll, wow. talk, I'll talk to the people at the basement and to see what we can do about any time, <laughs> any time restrictions. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we are in situations like that, you know. Hmm. And uh, well, we, so you know, we'll see. We, we, we might have to bring our pal sign, but I know pal has has been requested. So oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you mind. Speaking of the basement, you have played there before, and I remember that moment vividly because it was the first time um, that I actually was at a Prince show, and it was a, it was an after show that they did at the basement. Yeah, yeah, I I just remember. I mean, the whole yeah, the, the whole show was was great, but those last two numbers when um, I can't remember who it was now, but somebody just held up this white bass and. The whole place damn near lost their minds <laughs> because <laughs> nobody knew that you were there, and um, and all of a sudden, you know, there's you just come up out of the <laughs> out of backstage, and I think you guys went into Alphabet Street first, and uh -huh. 
and then just tore the roof off the place with uh, Release Yourself. And I still remember yeah. this, that to this day, you and Prince were just jamming on those, on those bass lines and he was on guitar and. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Incredible moment, you know. So I wasn't sure whether you guys, um, knew, but at, at that point in the show, when you came on stage, people stopped serving drinks. I mean, the whole, uh, <laughs> all, all the bar staff and everyone working around the place just stopped what they were doing and they were just eyes planted on what was going on because that was an incredible moment. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. We had, we had a ball. <laughs> we had a great time there. And then that's why I say I, I kind of got a little feel for, you know, Australian audience a little bit and I'm grateful for that, you know, so. Yeah, I got I got a little preview of kind of what to expect. <laughs> Moving on to to raise up a, a little bit the the album, the, album, uh -huh. the new album. Yep. Yeah, can you tell us any uh, interesting kind of behind the scenes stories about uh, recording that that album that release? Well, it was a lot of fun uh, recording uh, the album because, um, as you mentioned earlier, it has a live feel to it, and that's because a lot of it, you know, we recorded live all playing at the same time, you know, in the in the in the studio together and uh that that has a certain advantage you know uh for certain songs and we were able to do that on a number of the songs that that, that are on raise up so that's why it has that live feel that's what i was going after and we recorded part of it in europe uh, part of it at paisley park and uh, uh here in uh, minnesota and part of it in la at rafael sadiq's um studio and uh, so it was a lot of fun making it but I think the thing that, that really I'm happy about the most is the fact that we were able to capture that live feel. It was so important to me. You mentioned Raphael Sadiq. We're very big fans of Raphael, and we just want to know how that collaboration came about. Well, Raphael um, and his um, other members of his family, they were, you know, they're all from Oakland, too, and were raised up uh, on my music, uh, as was Prince. Raised up. And pretty much... <laughs> Yeah, raised up on, on GCS. And, and then they went back, like Prince did, and got more into Sly and the Family Stone. And so, it, you know, it, it was it's a natural connection there. It was just a matter of time um, before we would end up doing something together. But his whole family is very much into my, into my music. So it was great. It was a lot of fun working with him. When you get down here to Australia, are you playing – a lot of songs from Raise Up, or just a few, or well, you can't give that secret away yet? Well, what I plan to do uh, at this point is there are some people who are familiar with my, my music from Sly and the Family Stone, so I have to throw in some of that. Yeah. Uh, they're familiar with my early Graham Central Station albums, so I have to get into that too. Yeah. <laughs> and then my solo career starting in, uh, in the 80s, I have to get into some of that, and then my latest stuff you know from raise up so i kind of got to combine everything because there are people the way it usually works there are people at the shows that are familiar with some of all of what i've done so i try to give them a little taste of all of it okay again we'll talk to the basement we'll try and get a longer time you to play as long as you can there's a lot to cover <laughs> The the sequencing of the songs on on the on on that album also I mean the album sounds very organic but it's almost like listening to to a show with you know lots of dynamic energy uh, was that a really conscious thing that that you yourself uh, put together Oh definitely you know I I, I wanted it to have uh, that type of a feel it's kind of like telling a story you know from the beginning to the end and 
you know, the intent of the music is to help people to raise up above whatever they're dealing with. You know, everybody's dealing with something in, in their personal life, family or at work or life in general. And they do various things to help them raise up above um, whatever it is they're dealing with. Read a good book, put on some good music, go to a movie. Uh, they'll do something to help themselves to raise up. And the intent was to put on this album and from the beginning to the end, just kick back. And let it help you to raise up above, you know, whatever you're dealing with, which is the same intent. Um, when we do a show, that's the way I structure and design the show so that it has that it has that feel, you know, like a like a story has been told, you know, with a conclusion, uh, with a beginning, a body and a, and a great conclusion. So that's the way I try to structure the album. And so I'm glad you mentioned that because that, that means to me that you, you heard that you picked up on that. Um, Larry, raise up the actual song itself. Is that a Larry Graham song or is it Prince written, like lyrically? And do you have any sort of stories about working in the studio with Prince on that track? It's, it's a Larry Graham song. Um, uh, I wrote it and had the pleasure of recording it, you know, with Prince at, the, at Paisley Park. So that, that was a treat. Okay. And we always connect well, you know, in the studio and, and on stage, because we know each other well, you know, we've been able to spend many, many, many hours together. I suppose it'd be good when you play a show with him, because he knows all the songs. He knows all your songs. Yes, he does. So Backwards be... and forwards. <laughs> <laughs> so are you planning on recording new GCS music, or are you going to... Because it, it was a fair while between this latest album and the one before that. Yeah, it was. And, and I'm I'm always writing you know and recording um because that's what i do i mean it's, it's kind of like a, a painter who likes to do artwork he might paint a, a lot of pictures that no one will ever see but he paints because that's what he loves to do and i'm like that with writing you know i'm constantly writing all the time and some songs maybe no one will ever hear but so i'm constantly doing that and um and then when i have songs that go together like for the raise up album that tells a complete story and they fit together. Yeah. Um, and then, so in addition to the music, then I wanted everything else to be in place to working with the right people, you know, and, and stuff. So everything was, was at the right time, you know, it's the, so, so the next the right album will be whenever it's ready. <laughs> whenever it's ready. When yeah, it all which comes is another together. thing. Yeah. Because I'm not really under a contract, a record contract yeah. or anything. So, when it when it's when it's ready, it'll come. But I'm constantly always writing. Yeah, we we hear that from Prince too. So we're we're very patient yeah. fans. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Now we have a fourth member on this show who couldn't make it today. He's a he's a horn player, and he actually has a gig today. And he wanted us to ask you about some of your horn recordings. If and he really wanted to know about your recordings with Tower Power in the seventies. Oh yeah, it was great working with those guys. That's another Oakland based group so yeah. you know we all know each other very well so mm. it was it was just a natural you know you, you need some horns we'll call the best tower power that's it uh what can you tell us about your involvement with uh recording when you work with betty davis on that i think it was 73 i think it was yeah betty davis um it's just she's just an awesome person i mean uh she has influenced a, a lot of young girls who have become popular today. Mm. You know, she kind of was, as they say, ahead of her time, but 
she had a major influence on a lot of young ladies today and excellent songwriter. And, you know, when she would come into the studio, uh, she wasn't necessarily a musician herself, but she knew what she wanted yeah. and she could explain it to you in such a way, you know, that you, you know exactly what she's going for. And then when she hears it, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what you I know. want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and she wouldn't just take any old thing. You know, it had to be what she was feeling in her head, you know. And uh, so she was she was great in that respect. And another thing I really like about her is every time she would come into the studio or when you see her on a daily basis, um, she was consistently up and always energetic and a very nice, positive person you knew what you were going to be getting tomorrow where with mm. some artists you know you, you just don't know how it's going to be tomorrow it was great today and grumpy tomorrow but <laughs> she was consistently always the same you know and so that made all the musicians so comfortable uh and i'm sure she got a lot more out of us uh by being that way than you know in any other kind of way and, and cool you want to be around positive people that's makes everyone feel better well, exactly. And you can hear it in the music, you know, because it's, it's, it's happy music. It's up music. You can feel the energy and you can feel, you know, the positive vibe that's, that's in the studio. You know, that, that comes out mm. in the record. You can hear it. Yeah. Which is why people still love, love that music to, you know, today. Mm, still, still sounds great. Mm hmm. Okay. This year, if no one's mentioned it yet, I'm sure they have. This is the 40th anniversary of Release Yourself, the album. Which oh. album of yours? Which <laughs> album of yours out of all of them? Which is your? Is I know you can't pick a favorite, but what are you most proud of? Which oh album? wow! <laughs> oh, that's a hard one. You know, you you work so hard on each one, mm. and it's it's not like having a child because that's a, a human being, but it kind of Prince, Prince disagrees. <laughs> What's that? Prince says all these songs are like children. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's yeah. not exactly like yeah. a child, which is a human, but it's, it's a very similar feeling in that you kind of give birth to each album. And it does become, in a sense, like that kind of relationship. It has, uh, it takes on its own personality. You know, my kids and my grandkids are different. You know, I love all of them equally, uh, but they're all different you know, one from the other. And my albums are like that. You know, um, the first album is totally different from Release Yourself, yeah. which is totally different from Ain't Nobody Doubt It, you know, which is totally different later on when I got into my solo stuff, like One in a Million You. It's a totally different album, which is totally different than Raise Up, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's like a bunch of my little musical children and I, and I love them all. Okay. You were talking about those those Graham Central Station records in the in the seventies, and uh, you know a yes. lot of people talk about uh, Stevie Wonder's great period um, from the early seventies to to the late seventies, and and Sly's great period and Prince's great period, but that that stretch is is really um, unbelievable. That your GCS stuff from seventy three to about seventy nine eighty um, every year, it's almost like the bar was raised. The musical palette expanded. Uh, the songs became, in some cases, more personal. Tell us about that evolution. Yeah, you grow. You know, you grow um, as an individual, as a songwriter, you know, because a lot of times I, I write from what's, what's happening in life in general, you know. And so you grow as you grow in knowledge and wisdom. 
um, you grow with your band members. You know, the more you play together, the more you tour together because you grow from touring, too. You learn so much when you're playing this music live. You know, you learn and have a feel for what works and what maybe doesn't work as well. And so with that growth, that makes the next project quite different than the last one because you got more, you know, more stuff to say, you know, because you already said what you said last year. So now let's go to the next level. And that makes everything and it keeps it fresh. You know, and even from back then till now, you know, there's been a growth period from being with people like Prince and other people that, you know, contributed to the Raise Up album. Hmm. And I hope to continue to grow. I'm, my ears and my heart is always open to learn. Well, we're ready to listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you brought and, your... and yeah, I was just going to say, you can hear that on, on Raise Up on the album, but specifically on Raise Up the song. Um, uh-huh. You can hear those kind of more electronic drum drum machine sounds, and I mean, even though you had elements of that yourself in GCS, you can. There, there's also a Prince influence now, at least on that song, to me. Um, well, of course. I mean, he's my neighbor and my good friend. He's like my brother. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you're going to hear that. He you, he has to rub off on me, and I I have to rub off on him. You know, yeah. that's, that's that's how friends do. You know, people do that even who aren't musicians. They they start mm-hmm. having some of the same phrases, <laughs> yeah. you know, and start to think alike and can start to finish each other's sentences sometimes. And you know what the other person is saying, you know, or getting ready to say. Yeah. You know, some music is like that, too. You, you start to influence one another, which is a good thing. Hmm. Well, you led me straight to the next question, which is a, a directly Prince-related question. If you can remember back early 80s, there was this young artist called Prince, started releasing albums like Controversy, 1999, Purple Rain. Can you remember any, you know, impressions you had of him back then, like way, way before you even met him? You would have heard of well, him see, and heard the music, but what was your impressions back then? Well, I heard what they were playing on the radio, mostly. You know, I never it's... got a chance to meet him. Yeah, I never got a, a chance to really meet him. Um, we were both at a Warner Brothers um, picnic they had for all the Warner Brothers artists. And we met briefly in passing, uh, but I really didn't really get to know him until, um, you know, until we hooked up 15, 16 years ago. Mm. And that's when we really got to know each other. So I, I really know more about him since then till now, yeah. more so than back in the earlier days. But I, the things that I heard back in the day, you know, of course, all the hits, you know, everybody liked them because it was good music, you know, and that's why they were hits, you know. So I'm on, I'm on, on that same page too. You didn't hear yeah. some songs and go, oh, that bass line sounds a bit like something I've done before. <laughs> well, you know, by that time, you know, by, by that time, you know, unlike the early, early Sly and the Family Stone days, by the time of, uh, uh the 80s, I mean, there were so many bass players that had began to, you know, play my thumping and plucking style on slap bass, uh, cause that just became the way to play. Mm. So when I hear something on his album or anybody's album, it didn't really catch me by surprise. I mean, if it's a funky song, you know, you kind of almost expect it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's not like, wow, you know, um, <laughs> So when I heard him doing, you know, licks that were familiar to my ears, <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't set me back because it's, that's what everybody else was yeah. pretty much doing too. 
almost expected. Which is yeah, <laughs> makes me feel makes me feel good. Yeah, I mean, you know, to hear the other people doing doing your stuff, but that's the biggest compliment someone can really pay you is to you know imitate you in some way. Yeah, I mean, every time you know, I hear. Uh, Marcus Miller or, or Flea or, or all these kind of guys, Stanley Clark, Wooten, you, the list goes on. It's just like it's so obvious where <laughs> what records they were listening to and when they were coming up because your your sound and imprint, or should I say fingerprint, is all over them. <laughs> thumbprint. Thumbprint, that's right. Thumbprint, to be precise. You know, what would happen in the earlier days, see, when songs like Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself, or take that for an example, it's other songs too, but they, a lot of bass players, they heard the, the music, but they didn't know what I was doing. As Marcus mentioned in an interview I heard him do, they, some folks weren't even quite sure if it was a bass or what it was, uh-huh. you know. And uh, so for a long time, it weren't, there weren't a, a lot of bass players copying me because they didn't know what I was doing. And then um, videos weren't as popular, you know, back then either and tv shows were limited but then as we start to do more tv shows like ed sullivan and uh dick cavett and and other shows um people start seeing exactly what i was doing and as we played more and more concerts you know musicians bass players would come and they would see what i was doing and, and it's like oh that's what he's doing that's how and then little by little yeah you know little by little over the years then you start hearing uh, more bass players playing like me, particularly if they were covering one of our songs, you pretty much had to play my style to play Thank You or Dance to the Music or some of the other songs. Then, as time passed, then other bands started having their bass players play like me on their original music. So not just to cover our music, but their original music. You had groups like Earth, Wind & Fire and, you know, mm. other groups that started leaning toward, you know, the, the style of playing I was playing. Uh-huh. Just quickly on, on Prince again, I mean, you guys have jammed many times over the years. Um, oh, yeah. And a, as you say, he was schooled on your music and um, and, and it was probably, you know, trying to figure out your bass lines when he was coming up. Can you tell us anything about learning the bass parts in, in Prince's music whenever you've stepped out on stage with him? Well, that's the thing about that is because he was raised up on my music, some of the bass lines, even <laughs> though they weren't the exact same bass patterns that I had played, maybe on mm-hmm. one of my records, it would be a similarity yeah. to it because it's my style of playing. So it, 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 it's, it, was, it would always be something that I could relate to, you know. So basically all I'd have to do is learn the song. Not mm-hmm. concentrate so much on the bass, the bass line, but basically the changes to the song, you know, because it's his song is his, his pattern, you know, when to go to the bridge and what changes and so forth. But as far as the bass playing, the style would always be pretty much similar to, you know, what I already do. So Prince, mm-hmm. when, when you were like, if you did a rehearsal, Prince wasn't like, no, 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 Larry, that's not how you do it. Do it this way. <laughs> 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 no, I I don't mind correction at all. I have no problems with being Positive told, being you know, what to do and where a change should go, you know, because, you know, when my mother and I work together, I just take you back briefly, uh, you know, half the night I'm playing 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew how to be in the background. I knew how to be up front. When I joined Find the Family Stone, you know, we all sung lead. We all were featured at different times on, on uh, a lot of the songs and in the shows. So I knew how to be in the background and I knew how to take the lead. And same thing with, with, uh, with my band. So I have no problem being in the background and, and I have no problem, you know, learning other people's music. You know, I've, I've toured, uh, with the Crusaders. Um, that's the first time I ever went to Japan was with the Crusaders. And, uh, I've toured with Stanley Clark. We went to Brazil, did around 10 cities over there, uh, and different people. So I, I have no problem learning other people's stuff. It's it's fun. So I can be in the background. I can be up front because I have fun either way. I've actually noticed Prince a few times. He actually prefers to just be a guy in a band. He doesn't always want to be the front guy. You, you see him turn up at other people's gigs now and then. He'll just stand in the back and play guitar for a while. And, it, you know, exactly. it's, he's not Prince at a Prince concert. He's just a guy in a band. Exactly. And he seems hey, to love doing exactly. that every now and then just to get out of the spotlight. Exactly. You know, and he doesn't have an ego trip to, you know, prevent him from doing that. You know, he's a very humble person. As great as he is, you know, he retains his um, humility and has no problem stepping in, you know, in the background and out of the spotlight. And, you know, that's 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 a beautiful thing, because not everyone can do that. You know, some folks, the light always got to be on them. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think he's 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 gotten better. I think he wasn't always so humble though. <laughs> he's gotten well, like a lot I better. Said, I, Maybe since he met you, he's gotten know. a lot better. Yeah, I can only speak for the last fifteen, sixteen years. I don't yeah. know much about before then. <laughs> uh, we, we 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 have our tongue firmly in our cheek, Larry. I mean, uh, we know the Prince. <laughs> Prince has listened to our show on occasion, and uh, we actually met him briefly a few, well, for a few hours, uh, uh, three or four years ago, and um, we've spoken about <laughs> about this sort of stuff and had a good time. So, but um, wh- one thing that just quickly popped into my head was about something we spoke about earlier with regards to you playing the bass, you know, in GCS, and then also you've got a, that mic hooked up to—is it your strap or is it actually the bass? I can never figure that out. It's plugged into my base. Yeah, and um, yeah. and and I just thought about the that the influence of your position in Graham Central Station and some other notable bass players immediately they come to my mind the likes of a, even someone like a Sting, M- Michelle uh, Nigdechello, uh, Esperanza Spalding. They may not be directly obvious influences, but I think there's a lot there uh-huh. as a compa- as a as a comparison. Uh-huh. It's a unique position you're in. You, you know, I, I uh, really appreciate you saying that. Um, kind of like I said earlier, though, you know, I, I, I don't really think about it. I just kind of like put the bass on automatic pilot. And my my biggest focus is really on entertaining the audience and feeding off the audience and kind of like almost more of a singer sometimes, you know, focusing more more on that. You know, and I think that's what some of the other artists do. I've seen I've seen Esperanza Spalding in, in person, you know, on more than one occasion, and she kind of does that too. I can kind of see her basis on autopilot, <laughs> and she's willing away with her voice, you know, and uh, and it's you know it's it's a it's a blessing to be able to do that, you know. I guess I, I should consider it, you know, as a as a gift because maybe uh, it's just not natural for everybody to do that. To to me, it seems natural, but 
But I've I've actually had this conversation with a bass player before. And when he stopped thinking about it for a while, he was playing and singing. (laughs) I saw it happen. (laughs) I saw it happen. He was playing and singing and hit a few steps too. Dancing and singing. (laughs) (laughs) All he ever wanted to do. Do Do you have a particular favorite Prince song or Prince album? That stands out for you that you that you really like to play or listen to? Oh no, it's just it's just so much, you know, um, that I've been exposed to, and you know, over the last fifteen years, you know, uh, so much stuff that um, has been played on shows, but so much stuff I've heard in the studio. I don't know if anybody else will ever hear it. Um, it's just so much, and. He's just capable of doing so many types of music, you know, and not just on the guitar. You know, he'll get on the piano and just, whew, incredible, you know. So I don't have a, a particular album, but just him as a person, as an overall musician, you know, and not just a guitar player, but, you know, as a multi-talented uh, musician. He'll get on the drums and weigh out some drums and the keyboards and the guitar and the bass, as you know. Yeah. And, uh, See, that's the thing. You get some people, they're a great guitarist and they're average at everything else, but he can do almost everything except maybe horns, yes. I think, and he can do it pretty damn well, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah, and if he can't play it, if he can't play it, he can arrange it and tell you what would sound best to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got a bass question. Uh-huh. Most of the time we see you, you've got that white bass, but how many, yes. how many bass guitars do you have? I've been playing Moon. <laughs> uh, no, no, I've been playing my Moon bass. I helped design that about about thirty years ago um, with the Moon Corporation in Japan, and basically checked out all the bases they, what they were doing, and then um, you know bases I had played in the past, and just try to pretty much take the best of what they had to offer, put it with everything that I would like to have in a bass, and came up with the Moon bass. And it's pretty much been my main axe, you know, for the last 30 years. Yeah. So you, you took all the I'm, things you wanted to moon and they put it all together and that's what they came up with? Well, yeah, because they weren't a large company. Mm-hmm. Um, so they could take the time to give me, you know, individualized attention. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what they did. And they were looking for ideas, too. So they were very open. You know, so it was a very good mm. relationship that, you know, gave birth to one of my favorite instruments that I've played over the years. Larry, we all know you can play the bass. <laughs> and if mm-hmm. you don't, there's there's something wrong with you. But we know you can play the bass. But have you ever thought, you know, mid-show, you just jump on the guitar for a while or play piano, bit of Chopin or Bach yeah. or something in there? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have. Um, because on a lot of my records, which you probably already noticed, I, I played. Mm. A lot of the instruments myself. A lot of my records, I play keyboards and drums and yeah. um, guitar. And um, but I haven't, I haven't really done it uh, on stage. But look out, never know. There's an idea. Keep that. <laughs> <laughs> I have thought about it. <laughs> oh, just on the vocal tip as well. We've we've talked a lot about bass playing and, and music in general. But the other aspect, obviously, is your your incredibly well recognized vocal vocals i mean you, you know with the bass and the baritone go really well together i think and and it creates an, a, a unique sound 
Yeah. What, you what know, kind you know of? That was a Larry Graham song. When you yeah, hear, yeah. When you hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. There, there's no two ways about it. And uh, I was just wondering, what kind of singers did did you kind of come up on when you know as you as you were as you were coming up as a musician, and, and maybe who do you listen to now? Uh, vocally, well, yep. when my mother and I started working together, um, playing nightclubs and lounges and stuff, um, you get paid a salary, but you make a, a lot of extra money on tips. And there's a little tip jar on top of the piano. And when a person makes a request, if you know the song, then they might drop a 10 or a 20 or something up in the tip jar. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you end up with a nice little taste, you know, that night. So all the male uh, vocals, um, vocalists that were popular during that time, uh, Frank Sinatra, Billy Eckstein, Nat King Cole, Ray Charles, uh, Tony Bennett, you know, all those songs, all those artists, when people request songs by them, then it would be on me. <laughs> to fulfill the request. And then all the female vocalists that were popular at the time, my mother would, f- you know, fill those. And she had this great big thick book. It's called a fake book where it doesn't give you all of the sheet music, but it gives you the melody and the, and the, the chords, chord mm-hmm. structure and uh, lyrics. So you can get like a lot of songs in one book. And so we pretty much made it a point to fill every request. You know, not only because we love to play, but it also meant money for us too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so I, I, during that time period, I was singing like everything and my voice had already changed then too, because before then, like in junior high school, I was singing a lot of Frankie Lyman stuff. My voice was, was high. You know, I could sing his songs in his key. Uh-huh. And then one morning I woke up and it just, Change. I didn't even go through the squeaky thing. <laughs> was was that was that around the time of of the five riffs? Uh yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, and it just it just yeah. In the five riffs, I played guitar, and uh, so it just it just switched. You know, one morning I just get up, morning mom. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so and she, when my like, mother oh, now, no, you like, can't sing the Frankie Lyman songs now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was so over, and and uh, so then uh, by the time I got to sign the Family Stone, you know I'm used to singing all these ballads and everything from working with my mom. So the first song he had me sing on, uh, one of the first two songs, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the album A Whole New Thing. Oh yeah, because that came out before Dance to the Music. Yeah. Mm. And on that album, I'm singing a song called Bad Risk, but a yeah. ballad called Let Me Hear It From You. And that came from a, from him being aware of hearing me in the club when he asked me to join the band, uh, hearing me not only playing the bass, but singing, too. So he had me sing that, that ballad, which he very well could have done it himself because he has a baritone voice, too. Uh, but he got me to sing it. And, uh, you know, so since those days... Um, with my mom, I've been focusing not just on my instrument, but on my voice too. Larry, do you have a uh, favorite funk song or favorite funk funk album? And you can't choose your own here. It's this is something that you've heard and you thought, man, I really wanted to write that. Oh man, there's so many out there. Um, of course, I love a lot of the early Stevie stuff. Mm. You know, Talking Book and Songs in the Key of Life and. I like some of the early um, Shaka Khan and Rufus stuff. Oh, yeah. 
You had a chance to hook up with Tony Madden from Rufus? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. And he did a video with me in my studio, kind of like an instructional video. I've seen that. I've said that was one of the first things that I've seen of you. I saw it on a BBC documentary called Rock School. And you guys were playing. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, I, I was actually yeah. going to ask you that question. Do you have any more plans to do any more to, sort of tutorial or instructional videos? Yeah, for? yeah. I, I really would like to. I, I'd like to hook up with the right person to to work with to do that. Um, because since the time I did that one um, uh, in Japan, a funk bass attack, that's, there's been so many requests to do something again, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, I, I would very much like to find the right person to get with and, and, and do that. I read somewhere not that long ago that you were involved with a, a project. I think it was, it's a documentary about you, your life. And I was just wondering what's happening with that. Is it completed? Is it what's happening there? Cause I think um, I read it was almost done. Yeah. Um, but you know, things like that, you can always add to them as, as you go, go yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not done until it's finally released. That's and then it. you can't do anything else to it, you know. <laughs> but up until that that time, because, you know, day to day, you know, life keeps on, you know, mm. changing and something can happen, you know, next week or tomorrow that needs to be part of that, you know, part of that. So yeah. it's well, it's ongoing until it's released. Well, see, when you come to Sydney, you're going to meet us, so that's got to be in there, of course. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's a whole chapter on its own. I yeah, I, I can already tell that's going to be quite a wonderful experience. I, I, I can't wait to watch that. Whenever it comes out, oh, it's going to be great. Well, speaking of chapters, have you ever thought of writing, say, a book about your music or your experiences? Yes, yes. I've been asked about that, too, a number of times because I've been through uh, a lot of different phases of my life going from working with my mother to Sly and the Family Stone to Graham Central Station and my solo career to, to working with Prince to now. It's been like a lot, you know. So, yeah, I, I definitely would have a lot to write about. So that's something else that I would like to do too. And speaking of writing, obviously Raise Up, the album, is is a fairly recent release and it sounds like you guys are playing some material from that and the response has been uh, incredibly positive. Are you also thinking of recording some new music at some point in the future? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's always a possibility. <laughs> recording some new music in the future? Oh, of yeah. course. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because sometimes I'll write stuff at home and... Uh, uh, like I've done in the past, I'll, I'll play all the instruments myself and then uh, maybe teach, you know, um, parts to other band members or get their contribution uh, to the song. Um, and when we go into the, you know, studio and play it all together. So, so some things I've done by myself and then go in the studio and do it live to get that feel. I, I was going to ask you about that because I was going to say, well, have you ever thought about documenting, uh, you know, this version of, of Graham Central Station uh, as a band at, within a live album? DVD, but, live show. Yeah, but, I mean, the more I think about it, the, the album itself already sounds so live and, and uh, vibrant anyway, so maybe people just have to come to the shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the show is very closely related to the album, you know, and feel. 
that necessarily are always the same songs. Um, but I, I try to structure the show kind of like the way the album is structured and structure the album like I structure my shows and you know, try to tell a, a complete story, you know, in one, in one, in one sitting. Did, did you record it analog out of interest? Uh, yeah, some of the stuff I, I, I hit um, tape first. Oh, wow. To get and, the warmth. Uh, yeah, 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 it's nothing like, you know, it's nothing like hitting that tape. Yeah. And then, of course, if you go digital from there for editing purposes, you, you've you captured the sound. At least. You've got it, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and, you, and you can really hear that. There's there's plenty of tracks on the, plenty of songs on the, on the new album where you can really hear it. I feel like a, your bass was really kind of, it's it's in the front of the mix more so than on even on some of the the old GCS material or, or you know CDs and um, yeah so that's that's really pleasing because when you put those headphones on and you can just listen to that crystal clear ba- and it's but it's got that warmth it it's not cold and digital you know, the way a lot of yeah things are recorded. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When, when they yeah. were mixing, Larry got in there and he's like, more bass, more, not more, 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 more bass. <laughs> bass, out the well, front. <laughs> kind of true, but I was really more concentrating on the, the, the quality of the sound. And um, one advantage of um, recording now compared to maybe back in the 70s or 60s even um, is – the, the equipment, there's a lot more technology to work with now, you know. And so back in the day, I'm sure it wasn't just me, but a lot of musicians may have found it a little frustrating to try to get things to sound exactly like you hear it in your head because equalizers weren't as sophisticated and all kind of other gear that, that's out there now. Even editing itself, you know, it was about taking the razor blade out and Splash slicing that tape. <laughs> Yeah, carefully, you know, hang it up on the wall in case you need it later, you know. <laughs> and uh, whereas now you can go in and experiment, and if you don't like that, you can put it right back to what it was, you know. But at the same time, still capture the warmth uh, on tape first before you even uh, send it to Pro Tools or whatever you choose to use. Um, but, yeah, you know, I can zero in more on the bass so that it's it's not necessarily – louder as much as it is more isolated within the, the frequencies that is being taken up, you know, by the bass. You can kind of zero in on that. And not just bass. I mean, any instrument now. I mean, today's world, you know, you can do a lot more you could, than you could do back in the day. Hmm. you got to keep in mind, though, this is a it's a Larry Graham album. It's a GCS album. People are there. They want to hear that bass. You can't bury that in the mix. It's got to be right up there. Oh, oh. Oh no, no! I definitely kept that in mind because yeah. I uh, <laughs> have people throwing it back at me. You know, <laughs> when I get to the shows, I'm like a little you know, blind saucer. Here's your album back. <laughs> More bass. See, I've, I've got this. I've got the CD version of Raised Up, and uh, I know what you mean, Larry, because the, the dynamic range that you guys managed to capture, even on the CD version, is so so wide. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm now think. I've got to get the vinyl version of it now to get it even even well maybe not wider but warmer. <laughs> yeah, it, it there is a difference. Well, you know there is going to always be a difference between vinyl and CDs. Yeah. Uh, but I, I try to get it as similar as possible, you know, and try to get that CD sounding as warm as um, as the album because obviously that's people are going to buy more CDs than vinyl and more downloads and stuff. It's it's going to be in, more in a digital domain more mm. so than. Vinyl. 
So I, I really try to get it sounding as close, which basically is trying to get it to sound as much in the studio, get it sounding as, as, as much as you can, you know, can, like what you're hearing in your head. And I'm, you know, I was blessed to work with some great engineers too. And that always helps when you can communicate because sometimes I might not technically know what it is I'm trying to get, but if I can explain it and if the engineer can respond and then I can say, yeah, that's it. Or a little more of that, a little less that, you know, so I, I was blessed to have some great engineers too. And the, the horns, the horns sound really bright and kind of, uh, they've got a live feel. I mean, the whole thing's just got a live feel. What's the horn section? So I read somewhere that yeah. Millfield, Millfield horns, is, is yeah. that them? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very, very nice, man. And he's, um, they've played with us before, uh, on some gigs. I think the last time was the last time we played, uh, in Copenhagen. Um, but he's played with us on a number, uh, they have on, the, on a number of shows in Europe. Uh, no U.S. shows yet. Oh, they can wait. They've got enough shows. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get down here first. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. No, your your friend that's missing. He plays sax or trumpet. Uh, or? Trumpet. Trumpet. Okay. Trumpet and keyboards and a few things. Yeah. At the same time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, there's a big, there's a big Prince influence with, uh, with our friend. And actually, I, I say Prince influence, but it's really also a Larry Graham influence because, you know, Prince, the one man band, but really, I mean, you were doing that, the same sort of stuff, you know, a decade earlier. Or two. That's it. I mean, that's interesting. How, how is it like sitting in a room and just doing it all yourself? Um, actually, I, I kind of, there's a blessing because a lot of my creativity comes at times when there's no one else around. <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, I can just go and, Lay, at least lay down all the parts. If if it's not what's going to be, you know, on the record, I can at least lay down the parts. And sometimes I've laid down, laid down parts that are keepers because sometimes you capture something and you really can't play it the exact same way again. Mm, you, you got know. the feel. You can, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I've I've done that a number of times and just, just leave it. But, yes, it's a blessing to be able to play the different instruments. Like, you know, and, and again, that comes from growing up not knowing exactly what I wanted to play, but I, I knew I wanted to be a musician because my father played guitar, my mother played uh, piano, and both were singers. And so I knew I was going to be in the music, but I wasn't sure what I was going to end up on. So the good thing about that is I kind of like just tried them all out, and that that helped me later on. I wasn't playing it back then, that I'm doing this so one day I can play all the stuff on my records. <laughs> I didn't know why I was doing it back then, but it was just the joy of learning music. Period. Well, look where it got you. You ended up on the Peach and Black podcast. How, how good is that? Pinnacle. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I tell you what else was really cool too is um, a lot of the schools. I don't know how it is in Australia, but a lot of the music programs uh, in the states have been uh, cut. You know, mm. and uh, a lot of the kids don't have instruments as readily available as we had growing up. And uh, I, I think that that's that's major. I mean, if you wanted to play trumpet, you know, then the school gave you a trumpet and free lessons. I mean, it came with schooling. Mm. And if you wanted to play the drums, you, you know, you, you, you had, you had all those instruments. Whereas now it's, it's, it's kind of a major issues in, in quite a number of schools. And then so another thing I think was great uh, growing up is there were a lot of places uh, to play uh, clubs and, other venues that you could play a lot and hone your skill before you were put out there on the big stage. So when people came to see you, 
you know, you, you pretty much had quite a bit of experience under your belt and playing live. It wasn't like, you know, you just were thrown out there hmm. and do your best, you know. Um, yeah, but we had a lot. There's not that many places where you can do that no. anymore. They don't, they don't even no. want you on the stage unless you've done 50 shows. So yeah, how do you, you know, get that experience if no one's going to let you to get out there? Well, I think I think uh, more and more people, you know, are getting into the concept of, you know, garage banding it, <laughs> you know, yeah. getting together and, and playing amongst each other, you know, and it's not necessarily for an audience, but honing your skill, mm. playing together. If it's not a venue, you create one make and it. and yeah, make it happen, play together. So by the time you do play in front of folks, you know, that that's not the learning training ground there at the gig you already did that yeah. now you're coming in pain. now you got to deal with the stage front <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and, and yeah and, and again i mean that's the great thing about coming to see seeing you guys and and you know i mean not, not only your band but also you know talking about y- you and your history and you know you've, you've 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 been there done that and you've gone through the the ringer really and and now, when people come to a Larry Graham and GCS show these days, I don't want to put the words in your mouth, but to me, it's, it's, uh, I won't say rare because there are still some, some folk, you know, people that I think were, were around, uh, in your era, uh, the GCS era, at least, that are still doing it. But man, for anyone that's listening, um, and there will be a lot of people listening to this show, you gotta get yourself there. I mean, ev- everyone's already probably already got tickets to it anyway but anyone that doesn't and thinking twice don't think twice you've got to be there you've got to be there we are so we pumped we're looking forward to it you know it's going to be because i was there before but as you know with prince but i've never had my band ram central station there and this is something i've been looking forward to for a long time I would say since the last time I was there and played with Prince, it'd be great if I could bring my band back here. And now it's happening. So this is really your Australian debut. You're like, you're starting all over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, except, except for not from scratch. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You've got a, yeah, you get a bit of experience there, but for some people, they might not know anything about you. They'll just turn up at the basement and you're going to just blow them away. It'll be great. That's, uh, that's that's the incredible thing. I mean, Blues Fest is such an inc- it's it's a, a huge it's, lineup yeah. and it's a very diverse lineup. And I've already spoken to a few people. You know, we get in touch with with some of the fans and promoters and people within the music industry in Australia. And there's so many people on that lineup. But I'll tell you, a lot of them are talking about <laughs> getting to the stage where where, where Graham Central Station are going to be at because it, it, there's just a feel. I think you guys really really put on an incredible show and that energy is palpable you know it's it's uh it's um addictive <laughs> for people who love oh, live music so infectious yeah 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 we we love we love playing we love what we do you know my whole band is like that so i'm i'm grateful to be surrounded by such a great bunch of musicians great and you're doing a lot of sh- you're doing a lot of shows too one two three four five oh, i mean it's almost it's four days in a row really yeah yeah we are going to be thrown down pretty hard there. Yeah. But the good thing is we are well rested. We're not coming off another tour, mm. you know, like now. You know, everybody's been home and, you know, getting the chance to be with their families and do everything else that, that you do in life. So we're coming well rested. Fresh. You know, fresh, you know. And Australia is our first hit. 
So you're going to get the fresh GPS. Hmm. <laughs> Are you going to get any relaxing time while you're here or you're leaving straight away after the shows? Um, I think we pretty much have to leave because uh, uh-huh. we're heading to China after we leave Australia. We're going to Beijing and Shanghai. And then we hit Japan and uh, uh, Tokyo and Osaka and then uh, come home. But my whole thing is is to open up the door for Grand Central Station to be invited back. Oh, yeah. And then next time, you know, we'll be able to, you know, come on our own uh, yeah. and, you know, we'll be spend some time after and hang out. You're always welcome, Larry. Always. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I think we just about run out of questions, huh? <laughs> I think we have. Yes, yeah, so again, thanks so very, very much for your time. I know um, time is precious. <laughs> well, you're more than welcome and look forward to seeing you when we get there. We'll be there. All right. <laughs> we'll, Actually, we'll, have, we'll have our big power sign just in case you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry, do that. <laughs> <laughs> See you soon. Bye-bye. You're welcome. All right. There you have it. That was our exclusive Peach and Black interview with Larry Graham. Hope you enjoyed it. We certainly did. It was great to talk to, you know, the funk bass legend himself in such an open and, and, um, relaxed conversation. So, so those tour dates again for anyone that missed out earlier on in the show, Larry Graham and Graham Central Station will be playing the Byron Bay Blues Fest on April 18th and 19th. They'll also be doing two shows at the basement in Sydney on April 20th and 21st. Peach and Black will also be there for that, so just a little bit of extra incentive to get your <laughs> get your bodies to those shows. Or disincentive. And, of course, uh, finalizing their tour in Australia at the Corner Hotel in Melbourne, April 23rd. And, uh, look, Blues Fest is going to be incredible. The lineup for Blues Fest is unbelievable anyway, and adding Larry Graham and GCS to that is just going to – they're really going to tear the roof off. You know, even with all those other great musicians, I think they're going to be, they are going to be the, the, you know, the act to what to see there. And, you know, the basement and the corner hotel, these are intimate venues, people. And they've got a lot of character and a lot of, uh, you know, the atmosphere is great in these places. And I could just imagine, I can't wait, guys. <laughs> There'll be plenty of sweaty bodies moving around and, um, <laughs> and perspiring and funkifying, funkifying and all that kind of great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's only a few weeks to go. That's right. It's coming up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hope to see you there. We're, like I said, we're going to be there in Sydney. And an extra special thank you once again to Mr. Larry Graham for being a great guest on the show. So I uh, hope to see you there. Can't wait for these shows. Right. Okay, here we go. This is the big thing. Let's go, MC. All right. So for the final little announcement of, well, final. The final pal. The final big <laughs> announcement on this show to do with. Larry Graham and Graham Central Station shows in Australia please listen very carefully if you are from Sydney or Melbourne and are attending either the Sydney or Melbourne shows or you could be from from Perth but you well, are attending the Sydney <laughs> or Melbourne true. show that's true so <laughs> very good correction captain as long as you the listener are attending either the Sydney or I'm Melbourne shows and you are a ticket holder key point here ladies and gentlemen you must already have tickets or in the next few days must have purchased tickets you must be a ticket holder what you can do 
is send us an email directly to Peach and Black at Peach and Black Podcast Official at gmail.com. And player, once again, that email address is Peach and Black Podcast Official at gmail.com. That's right. And send us an email. You must be a ticket holder, ladies and gentlemen. Send us an email to that email address with your name, uh, with obviously your email address or contact details uh, and contact details. The show that you're attending. The show that you're attending are in yes. either Sydney or in Melbourne. But also the date you're attending. We need to know which one. And what that will do is enter you into a random draw for a chance to win a ticket upgrade of your Larry Graham and GCS concert experience. We can't say any more than that, but if you're a ticket holder, you'd be crazy not to send us an email. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this uh, upgrade, you know, this isn't even available. You cannot buy this ticket. That's right, Captain. This is not a ticket for sale. No. So if you're a you ticket holder... You cannot buy this. We are yeah. giving away tickets that don't even exist. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. You cannot buy these tickets. You can only win these tickets through Peach and Black Podcast. And if you're in Sydney, it involves us too. That, that's the price. And, that, and, and we've already said too much. We have already said too much, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, for all of our listeners. The, all, all of our Italian and, and Dutch and English and uh, German and Swedish listeners, I know you're probably thinking, what is MC talking about? What are player and captain wasting our time? We want to hear Larry Graham. Well, <laughs> put on the record. We're talking about <laughs> we're talking about these Australian shows, and this is just a little segment for our Australian listeners. If none of that made sense, rewind the podcast and listen to it again. If you're a ticket holder, send us an email. If you're going to Sydney or to Melbourne, and you're going to enter a draw for something pretty special, so let's leave it at that. Thank you for your company once again. It's been a pleasure as always. What more can I say? We're about to get real, real funky. See you later. Hey, where's Toe Jam? Hey guys, Toe Jam here. I'm ready to go. I'm so excited, I can't wait for this. This is going to be awesome. Larry Graham, we're going to be speaking to Larry Graham. Can you believe it? Oh, I can't wait. Come on guys, where is everyone? Hello? Hello? Come on, I've got my fedora hat and my stick on mo. It's I'm all ready to go. Come on, this is going to be awesome. Where is everyone? Larry Graham, come on! Hello?